So, good morning to you. How is it going so far? It's really, I'm tickled pink to see your face. My wife would like to be here. She has a cold and she didn't want to splutter on everybody. You know how it is. Well, thank you, for Leslie, for reading that passage in Romans chapter 3, verse 21 to 26. And that's a very special passage in the book of Romans and indeed in the Bible. And you could put it this way, if we were running a, a nuclear power station, uh, today we'll be visiting you know, the core where they put the fuel rods down and that actually generates the heat and generates the electricity. So this will be like a, a visit to the center of the nuclear power station which Paul has packed in to these verses in Romans 3. So the story so far is he, he gives it the very beginning. He says, But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known, to which the law and the prophets testify. Now there are a number of words in this whole passage. Starting with this with this verse, there are certain words which are to us a bit strange. We don't go around talking to people about righteousness. You could say about a person, he's a self-righteous, self-righteous, so-and-so, you know, but you don't talk about righteousness in normal Hiberno-English. So we're going to sort out what some of these words mean. So here he's saying, the righteousness of God, which means you can be squeaky clean, ready to go, the kind of person we're looking for, perfect record, you can off, you can go now and go right into eternity and to be with God in heaven and in this life, between now and then, you'll do great. You're the one. Uh, There's not a mark on your record. You can have that, he says, in two ways. One is the old way we've been looking at in the Old Testament where you worked so hard. Oh, you worked day and night. It was a 24-7 thing to try and get the law kept. If you didn't keep it, you were snookered. Okay. The other way, he says, now we've got a new way, is you can be righteous, you know, no, no, nothing on your record, ready to go by a new way. And this is going to be done by Jesus Christ. And he said, do you know what? I tell you how we know this new way is going to work is because the Old Testament told us it was going to work. He says the law and the prophets, encompassing the whole of the Old Testament, the law and the prophets testify to the new kind of righteousness which is going to come through Christ. And I can think of two, two people right off the top of my head who had worked this out from the law and the prophets. And you know them, you know their names. One is called Anna, and the other is called Simeon. When Jesus was born, and they brought the tiny little baby Jesus to be circumcised, there's these two people appeared out of the shadows. Two really old people, Simeon and Anna, and they thanked God that there's a new way now. Not the Old Testament way, but a new way. Because Simeon and Anna, and indeed even other people at the birth of Jesus, knew this one was a special one. This is not just like 
some special big person prophet in the Old Testament. This is a completely new way of doing things. It's a bit like, I don't know if you experience this, I certainly do. The internet is very unforgiving. If you put in the wrong email address, it just bounces back, doesn't go anywhere. Or, the, you know, it, it asks for a verified password. It really drives me bananas. Verified password. And if you don't get the verified password put in, you're stuck. Well, the Old Testament is like a long, long email address for Jesus. It describes where he's going to be born, how he was going to die, why he was going to be, die, the kind of people who would die with him on the day. And all these things had been worked out uh, by Simeon and Anna. It must have been silver surfers. They had worked out the email address before Jesus got there. So, Paul says, the law and the prophets testified to this new way of doing things. The second, the new kind of righteousness. Then in verse 22, it says, this righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all who believe. There's no difference between Jew and Gentile. So in the Old Testament way, when people were trying so hard to be righteous, uh, the Jews actually had an advantage. But here he says, no, nowadays we're no difference, Jew and Gentile, all the same. In fact, they've all sinned and come short of the glory of God. So God is saying about me or about you, I have, I have a design for your life. I have a great life for you. And uh, this is the, the way I've created you. But I'm afraid you're not making it. And you know, all of our hearts say, uh, that is so true. I, indeed, Paul has already said in the book of Romans, uh, is it not better to be a Jew? And he says, of course it is. They got the Bible first. I mean, not bad. But he said it didn't do them any good as far as becoming righteous was concerned. It just told them the things they were getting stuck on. So no, no difference between a Jew and a Gentile when it comes to the business of coming to God. It really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what nationality you are. I, I sometimes read, read articles and statements like articles I've read in the Irish Times by uh, Ukrainian people saying how nice Irish people are. We know that. Uh, and when I read these things, I think to myself, oh, good luck with that, because eventually you run into Irish people who are sinners. In fact, it will not take very long. Because Ukrainians and Irish people, there is no difference. As far as coming to God is concerned, it's all the same. We all have come short of the glory of God. We're all in bad need of help. Now, you look great. I mean, looking at you today, you look fantastic. You look so cool, but I'm afraid there is no difference. Years ago, Pam, my wife, and I had friends, uh, nuns, in a, in a convent in Tuam. And they asked us to go out and visit them, and they asked me to speak on this subject. And before I spoke, they sang Amazing Grace. Now, the words of Amazing Grace are like these. Uh, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. And then I stood up to speak and I said, you have to understand, 
for me, this is kind of hilarious. There's this serried ranks of black and white people all singing, they're all wretches. And, and actually, you don't look like wretches. But they said, don't worry, don't, no, no, don't, don't worry. The Bible applies to us as well. So there is no difference. We're all in the same, same level playing field. In 1894, an Englishman called Hanley Mole was reading this passage. And he wrote this. He said, whether you, at the bottom, whether you are at the bottom of a mine as a prostitute, a liar, or a murderer, or whether you're a, ma a mountaineer climbing the Alps, the chance of you touching the stars is the same. So whether you're a prostitute at the bottom of a mine or a mountaineer at the top of the Alps, the chance of you touching the stars is the same. We are so far from the glory of God and from making it on our own, or even making it by trying to pull ourselves up by our own bootlaces with the Old Testament. I sort of flogged that to death, but I, I need to. Because otherwise we think, oh, sure, I go to Crinkin, actually. Maybe God will take that into account. He will not take this into account. We're all the same. Anyway, now on to the good news. He says in, in verse 20, 24, all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came in Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of his blood to be received by faith. Now he talks here about the central thing of Christianity. And you don't need me to say this. I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but it'd be remarkable to know how many of us have a cross around our neck or a cross on your necklace or a cross on your clothes. Within 10 mile radius of this building, there are so many buildings that have a big high spire and have a cross at the very top of it, the sign of a Roman execution. How many, how many countries have a cross on the flag? It's something all over the world. The cross is known all over the world. It is the central point of the Christian faith. It is the, the front door to coming to know God in a personal way and enjoying that squeaky clean righteousness. But we sometimes stumble over the theological words. Faith is one of them. He says this is to be received by faith. Verse 23. Excuse me, 25. I, I, I sometimes feel like people are patting me on the head when they say, uh, it's great the faith you have. Just not realizing it's not to do with my faith whatsoever. Loretta Kyle was telling me the other day, there's a chair upstairs in the, in the hall which looks like a fine chair. These are all grand fine chairs, but you wouldn't want to sit on that one. You could have a great faith but it wouldn't hold you up. I mean, things would begin to go wrong. Another thing people say is, faith is, uh, it, it, they, they, they talk about having faith in faith, which is, it's like going down to Dunleary Harbor and getting out in a small boat and going out to the middle of the bay and getting that, an anchor and going round and round your head with the anchor and then dropping it down into the boat again. That's having faith in faith. It's just nonsense. Or people say, 
people, those of different faiths, of Protestants or Catholics or Jews or Muslims and all the different faiths. And they say, people are welcome here of all faiths and none. Okay, well, the word faith, as the Bible uses it, simply means to rely, to put your weight on something. Like to put your weight in that chair, you wouldn't want to do that. To put your weight on something. If you say, I rely on the dart to get me in every day for half seven. Well, in that case, you're getting on the dart. You know, you're relying on it, you're putting weight on it. That means you're having faith in the dart. And that is what he's talking about here. The, the, the cross is known all, of, all over the world, but now it's a question of stepping out and putting your faith in that. I met a girl uh, just a few years ago in Queen's University in Belfast called Chloe. And she had come to, to know Christ uh, about three months before. And she said, you know what? I went to church in West Belfast for 17 years every week with my mother. And we heard it said, every week for 17 years, Jesus died for our sins. And I had no idea what they were talking about. She, she just, it was all too mumbo-jumbo. But my friend, it is putting your weight on Christ and saying, okay, I'm not going to try all this keeping the law by myself. I'm going to take what Christ has offered instead by dying on the cross. That's what the cross was about. <clears throat> Let me put it this way. Five or six years ago, you will remember this, there was a, a, at an outskirts of Paris, there was a hostage-taking uh, scene in a supermarket. And a few people were killed. Uh, the, the building, the supermarket was surrounded by police and there was a standoff, long, long thing went through the whole day into the evening. Some hostages were killed. The inside of the supermarket was a ghastly scene. Various hostages were still alive. One of the policemen, a man called Arno Beltram, in the communication with the hostage taker said, I will go and take the place of one of the hostages which the hostage taker agreed to. So the time came then when, when Arno walked up to the door of the supermarket and stepped in. That magic moment when another hostage who could well have been killed stepped out. So when we talk about putting your weight on Christ, believing, relying on Christ, we're saying someone has stepped in are you ready to step out of the supermarket into the fresh air? It's free. This is what, this is what Arno Beltram did. Arno Beltram gave his life for that. The, the hostage taker killed him. And as, as it happens, uh, Arno Beltram was also a, a, a person who who's strongly uh, claimed Christian faith. And we think he understood a little bit of what it meant, what he was doing to go to take someone else's place in such a lethal danger.
Okay, there are two kinds of righteousness. There's the previous way, which is very tough and didn't actually work. It was grand to have the Old Testament, but the Old Testament kept pointing and, and, and giving clues as there'd be a new kind of righteousness come with the verified password of Jesus of Nazareth. He would do it. He would live and die, and in his death, he would provide a ransom. A bit like Arno Beltram, who went as a ransom for somebody else. Sometimes that happens in hostage situations, hijacking airplanes and so on, that one person can go in for another. But right now, someone has stepped in for you. Some people find it all hard to believe. They think, this is sort of easy believism. Surely there's more to Christianity and there's a whole Bible all full of instruction and way to live. It's, of course there is. But here we're talking about getting in in the first place to be a righteous person who's been declared squeaky clean. Verse 26. First, let's say, start in 25. Because God in his forbearance had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished, he did it to demonstrate his, righteous, his righteousness at the present time so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. In other words, in the Old Testament times, when people s- sinned, God did not blast them to smithereens. His forbearance, he waited because he had an idea in mind. An idea that he'd had in his mind since before the world even began. He'd had an idea in his mind. The idea being that the second person of the Trinity, Christ himself would come and solve this issue for the, for the people previously and for the rest of us now. <clears throat> it says that God, he did it to, to demonstrate his righteousness at the present time and so as to be just and the one who justifies those who have faith in Jesus. My wife and I came back to Ireland 14 years ago. We'd lived in various countries of the world and the previous country we'd lived in was Britain. And you know, when you move from country to country, you have to get your driving license in exchange for the new one. Sometimes they give you a year and then you have to change. And we'd done that in Britain and we'd uh, we got British driving licenses. <clears throat> but then there came the time we come here and I looked to find who do you phone up to get your license changed here? And they said you phone up the city hall in Dublin. Well, I thought that was a bit odd. In Britain, you have the, the DVLA, the drivers and Vehicles Licensing Agency. It's a government agency. It's a national thing. And they were, they were now referring me to City Hall in Dublin. Anyway, I phoned them up. A very helpful civil servant said, yes, I've got your record here. And I said, no, 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 before we go anywhere, I have to explain. I have points on my license. And my British license. And... I suppose I deserve them, but look, it was a Sunday morning. It was early, way early. There was literally no, car, no cars in the street. It was like in an industrial estate. Sun was shining, very clear. It wasn't that fast, and it was going on and on. And eventually, she, she succeeded in getting me to stop talking. 
And she said, uh, there's, there's nothing on that here. Oh, no, no, I said, you look on the record. She said, look, I have it right in front of me. It's clean. There is nothing on it. There are no points on your license. I said, that cannot be. And I told Pam, you know, there's a woman in Dame Street says that my license is clear, but you don't I know there's two points on it. But the woman said, there's currently an arrangement between the British and Irish governments that when you switch over to Ireland, they clean your, your license. Wow, I thought, that's, that's really something. Not until it arrived in the post did I realize she was right. Uh, this arrangement between the two governments has passed now. But you see, my problem was, uh, is, is this really just, because I know some people are sitting here thinking, you don't deserve that. I know, that's what I said. <laughs> but the question was, did the woman in Dame Street, is she justified in doing that? Does she know what she's talking about? Does she have the power of the law behind her? And only when I'd arrived in the post did I realize she was just, it was correct. And she was capable of justifying me by giving me a clean license. And God said, I did this through Jesus. So I could show the people in the Old Testament and us now that I am just. I know what I'm talking about. Jesus paid for this. He stepped into the supermarket. And I am the justifier of everyone who believes in Jesus. So just to recap, the story so far that Paul has had it in the first three chapters of Romans is that the Jews, God bless them, tried very hard, but it, they just couldn't make it trying to, to, to make the Old Testament work. It was good to have the Old Testament, but they ended up the same as the Gentiles. There was no difference. Jews, Gentiles, Ukrainians, Lithuanians, whatever, were all the same. We all have the same need. And we're not going to be helped unless somebody steps in that we could put our weight on and deliberately put our weight and say, I now put my weight on Jesus. That's that. I'm going to accept what he did with this cross, that he gave his blood, like Arno Beltram did for that hostage. He gave himself so I could get out. So it's left to us now. Do you want this license to live and go off into life and go into eternity? Squeaky clean. You can have that. I know it's unbelievable. But if God, if, if you were to pray today and said, Lord have mercy on me, I want to be squeaky clean. If you did that and God did not justify you, did not give you a clean license, it wouldn't be fair to Jesus, would it? I mean, think about it. It wouldn't be fair to him. Let's pray. I'm going to pray a simple prayer. And, and you can just, uh, quietly, silently in your own head, you can join in with this prayer to thank God for what he's offered and to say, I want to count me in. Let's pray. Dear God in heaven, this story applies to me, there is no difference. I'm like everybody else. 
Thank you that somebody has stepped in for me and the very person who stepped into me in for me was was totally qualified. And right now I want to step out of the supermarket. I want to get my license to live. I want to be forgiven. And I want to say thank you for the cross. Thank you for doing that. In Jesus' name. Amen.